Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kosowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. So, happy holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas. If uh, you are listening to this the week that it comes out, it is the week of Christmas times. Hooray, Christmas times. But what better time to sit down and read a book than over the holidays? Right? So, we know that you're going to be reading, and we're going to be reading. And so, what better time to put out an episode? Why take a break <laughs> when this is the optimal moment to be reading along? Yes, Yes, indeed. Why take a break amongst all the Christmas stress to relax? <laughs> what, who would do such a thing? These people are crazy. Indeed. And so here we are, <laughs> literally recording on Christmas Eve. Late night, well, yeah, fairly late night Christmas Eve. And uh, about to launch into a recap of Chapter 4, wherein we got a little bit of time at a luxury hotel. Um, Unfortunately, a very little bit of time. With... Uh, a hologram who uh, doesn't exactly like the sight of blood. <laughs> yeah, but he's uh, he's installed a patch. He's better now. Indeed. He's over it. And uh, they also discover a possible clue to a scheme that is afoot. Indeed. At the Metropolis Museum of History. And that is where we are taken for Chapter 5 of The Municipalists by Seth Freed. And indeed, that is where Chapter 5 starts, is yes. with our, our dynamic duo heading to the Metropolis Museum of History, yep. METMO. The METMO. I love that. Which is uh, right in the heart of the swanky museum district of Center City. Ten stories all by itself. Oh, Beautiful yes. Beautiful building, surrounded by other museums. <laughs> in in the museum district, as it were. Yeah, museums as far as the eye can see. Mm -hmm. Great, wonderful, towering buildings of, of art and history and culture. As we uh, arrive... Owen and Thompson have decided to stake out the natural history exhibit. Mm -hmm. And there's actually logic behind this because the natural history exhibit is right in the front of the museum. Yeah, it's sort of the bottleneck of, of museum attendance. Yeah, basically you go through the lobby into the natural history exhibit and then from there you branch off into all the other exhibit halls. Yes. So anybody coming into the museum has to go through this area. And... That makes it a prime location to look for suspicious activity. Absolutely. The duo have made their way in disguised as security officers because yes. Owen's hollow disguises are super useful. At... Oh, yeah. Proving infinitely useful so far. Indeed. And even more so because they have uh, disguised themselves 
as a pair of ancient mega skunks <laughs> amongst the other megafauna of the Ice Age. Yes, they are. They've made themselves into an exhibit, which amuses me a great deal. Yeah, and the thing that surprises me is that none of the museum staff during that time were like, where did this exhibit come yeah, from? No one noticed. No one was like, wait a second, that wasn't here yesterday. Indeed. Nope. Nothing. Like, it's a big museum, but you think that some museum guide would be like, wait a minute, when did these skunks <laughs> hold, get here? Hold on. Even so, it uh, it proves to be a surprisingly useful disguise. Absolutely. And it allows them to completely blend into the museum while watching suspicious people. <laughs> okay. I think I think suspicious people should be in air quotes because Owen's paranoia has not relaxed. Indeed. Everyone is suspect suddenly. Yeah, Thompson was super impressed with Owen's detective work, which led them to the museum. But now that they're actually there doing the stakeout, he's once again reminded that Owen's social intelligence is not really up to snuff. Yeah. <laughs> and he's suspicious to people that even the socially awkward Thompson is like, no, that's... Yeah, this is not suspicious. Those are is... just two elderly people on a walk. Those are just two those... boys yeah. laughing at moose genitalia. Those like... are children. Like, yeah. don't... It's fine. They're being normal. Owen is so preoccupied with some, like, septuagenarians who are, like, putting in their steps for the morning that he almost misses an actual rogue yeah, agent finally the, walking in. The genuinely suspicious person. Yeah, Thompson has to get Owen focused back on uh, on this rogue agent who starts making the rounds of the museum. Yeah, he's not looking at the exhibits like everyone else. This is what makes him stand out, is he is inspecting... The museum, yeah, the he's, building itself. He's looking at the structure. He's looking at the security cameras. The duo turn back into security guards to slip out of the natural history exhibit. And then Owen disguises them as tourists mm -hmm. using composite data from all of the tourists they'd seen that day uh, to get closer to the rogue agent as he moves on to the Forgotten City exhibit. Yes. Which is Metropolis during its 70s urban decay. There's a really sweet detail in here that... I honestly don't know if it's a pop, old pop culture nod or not, um, but if it is, it made me smile. Owen has put Thompson in a hat for the Toledo Mud Hens, mm -hmm. which I believe is the baseball team from Toledo, uh, which was a favorite of a character on MASH and was like a, a running gag on that show about the Toledo Mud Hens. If it was a pop culture nod, um, it made me smile. If it's just a coincidence, it still made me smile. Because I made a pop culture reference that may not have been there. Well, it may have been a pop culture reference, but you might be surprised to know that the Toledo Mudhens are, in fact, the professional minor league baseball team of Toledo, Ohio. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's a real baseball team. I knew that. It was just the, the pop culture reference to the old TV show MASH. Well, it's also uh, a reference to where Thompson actually is from. He's a native Ohioan. Mm -hmm. Ohioan? I honestly don't know. Ohioan? Navian? Ohioanavian? Oh. Someone from, he's from Ohio. Indeed. Uh, Ohioanese? I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the, the term is. If you're from you're Ohio, good, do let us know. You're hurt yourself. Stop. Uh, but he's actually a little off-put by the kind of stereotypical look that he's yeah, been like, given. He's like, this what? is exaggerated. <laughs> how, how dare you, sir? They, uh, they tail the rogue agent into this urban decay exhibit. And uh, Owen uses his disguise as a young woman to basically brazenly approach the rogue agent and play up this lost tourist ploy right? to get him off his guard. And the agent is so completely caught off guard by it that he actually 
like tries to help them find their hotel. Yeah, with this like frustrated like, oh, okay, I'm just going to start listing hotels because you don't know where you are or what you're doing and you're clearly an idiot and I just want to get rid of you. Yeah, and as he begins to draw a map for it, Owen begins to loudly indicate to Thompson to hit the man. Well, again, loudly in air quotes because it's the projection behind his head that keeps getting brighter and faster. Yeah, and finally Thompson decides to to go through with it, breaks the rogue agent's nose, and then they run off with his notepad <laughs> and switch hollow disguises so that they can't be tailed. Yeah, which was very smart. Uh, a little later in the cafeteria, they check out that very notepad and they confirm that he was indeed... Uh, doing a layout of the museum in quite a lot of detail, including noting what the load-bearing supports are. Mm -hmm. And they quickly clue in that this this is clearly a plan to demolish this well, museum. Yeah, like, this is a good place to plant an explosive. Indeed. There's also a notation of the time of the Civic Pride Parade, which would be a great distraction, and a note that it is by orders of TK. Yes, those initials that we've seen before. Terrence Kirkland. Yes. Uh, who they obviously assume it is. And uh, they also both presume the police won't be much help, despite the fact that Owen does forward this information to the police. Yes. Well, there will be a civic pride parade happening. Yeah. Which will probably occupy a lot of police attention. And they also have scant evidence of this attack. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have someone making notes in a notebook that's not quite as, as damning evidence as the police probably need. Indeed. To drop everything. So knowing this, Owen suggests clearly... We need to stop this attack ourselves. We can't rely on anybody else. It's up to us. And Thompson kind of agrees. And the plan they have is not bad. No, it isn't. Uh, they really. check. They check out of the Eldred Hotel and then essentially check into the museum in secret. Well, yeah, kind of. Using Owen's hollow disguises, they're able to basically blend in seamlessly for a few days until the parade and stop any attempts they see to plant explosives. Yeah, he Owen hacks their security system so they don't get caught at night. So yeah. it's a pretty foolproof plan. Yeah, honestly. it just means that Thompson is stuck in a museum for a couple of days. A, a giant 10-story museum that includes actual buildings. Yeah. Now, it was at this juncture, I'm going to do a little aside here, that I began to suspect that they were getting played. Oh, yeah? And, I mean, I made this notation, and it turns out that they're not exactly being played later on in the chapter. But I, I wanted to bring this up at this point because it seemed so obvious what was going on, if that makes sense. Uh. Like, they they got Sewage Bro's notepad, which had clear orders to check out the hotel. They got this notepad from this guy who had this whole demolition plan laid out on paper. It includes, it includes incriminating orders, obviously, from Kirkland. And I was like, I am now suspicious that something is up. And that they're getting played as maybe a distraction or something, or there's something bigger at play. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, there's something bigger at play. You but, thought it was a case of, ah, a little too quiet. Well, no, it was It was more a case of, it's all a little too obvious. Mm -hmm. Like they That's were, what I meant. They were very clearly getting these plans that were very clearly to do another attack that was being very clearly planned by Terrence Kirkland. Yeah. And it was just too... Straightforward? Yeah, so either they were being played or Kirkland is just being brazen about his plans. Which, I mean, in the end, it turns out a little of column A and a little of column B. It's true. But uh, that's getting a little ahead of ourselves. The two pass the next few days trying to kill some time mm -hmm. in between staking out the museum. Uh, they try to play some cards for a while. Yeah, which is hard because Owen's a supercomputer. Yeah, and so Thompson finally gets tired of losing. 
they check out the gift shop for more games and briefly like half consider chess until they both kind of weigh the impossibility of that. Yeah. Because Thompson would stand no chance. It's true. And so they kind of end up just passing their time talking for a little while. Yeah, it turns in, well, they do have a, a bout of charades. Well, that's a little later, but yes, they yeah. do finally find a game that they're both pretty evenly matched at because it's largely intuitive. Yes, exactly. And uh, honestly, I think it helps Owen with his uh, communication skills. A little bit. Uh, they they spend a lot of time talking and things turn basically into conversational therapy. A little bit. Uh, what starts as conversations about movies eventually segues into Thompson's upbringing. Yeah. And Henry begins to realize he's never really discussed it out loud with anyone before. Right? Which is why it gets a little therapeutic, I think. Yeah. Um, and he confides in Owen that he was really actually kind of shaped by his time in the foster care system mm-hmm. in, in a really interesting way. Not the kind of way you always expect, right? No. It, like, on the one hand, he had a terrible experience in the foster system. He was bounced between homes. He was never anywhere for particularly long. The families that he was with weren't necessarily particularly warm or nurturing. Which is unfortunate. But the thing that stuck with him was the consistency of the bureaucracy. Yeah. The the rules were always the same and they were always concerned with his care. Yeah. They right? were So if not if the people didn't care about him, at least the bureaucracy did? In a in a weird kind of detached way, yeah. Yeah. Um the rules there to protect him and preserve his dignity were strangely comforting to him. Yeah. Because there was that, con- that was the consistent thing through his entire experience. And that really shaped him into the man he would become and kind of explains why he's so devoted to the government and to the agency. Because it was the uh, parent surrogate he didn't actually have. Yeah. Which might also explain why he's so attached to Garrett as a father figure, yeah. too. Because Garrett isn't just a mentor figure, he's also. A symbol of bureaucracy. A symbol of of government bureaucracy, yeah. of this of this like weird surrogate parent he had. I know. It's a very unusual situation because the trope for a a character raised in, in the foster system, as it were, they're always, you know, troubled and had this like horrible past and like oh horrible with people and just, you know, they kinda grow up kinda rough. But not Thompson, right? He found the strange bright side of it, I guess. Well, I would argue... Instead of turning against the system like most, like you'd usually expect, he instead like turns to it as the source of comfort. Yeah, but I, I would argue that he still ended up growing up broken and socially awkward. Oh, broken, absolutely. And... But not but not like the rough and tumble that you expect. Yes. Right? Like, like the trope suggests. He's not the cliche. No, definitely not. Owen confides that he kind of understands where Thompson is coming from because of this and also says that it's puzzling to him because he remembers his experience being a telephone (laughs) and in all of his experiences with Thompson while he was like everyone's personal assistant on their phone Henry never seemed to be enjoying himself doing his work and this kind of catches Thompson a little off guard to hear this he's like no I I do love my work I'm just I'm really not a people person. And Owen then apologizes for being so glib about the whole dead parents thing on the plane. Yeah. Realizing at this juncture, that was really crass and I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. In retrospect. So Owen takes Thompson to a history of technology exhibit and says, technically, 
you know, I also have no parents. I'm a unique thing. That's true. So the history of technology is sort of like his ancestry. Yeah, and he confides in Thompson he has his own set of weird anxieties since becoming sentient or mm -hmm. sapient. The most interesting one being a weird sort of dissociation because he's like, I'm here with you, but physically I'm back in Maryland as a as an actual physical object, as a series of, like, databases and servers. Yeah. And I'm aware that I'm in both places at the same time, and it's super weird. It's freaking <laughs> me out, man. This is why Owen drinks. Uh, and indeed, they do. The next night, uh, they get drunk. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I don't remember where the bottle comes from. They have a bottle of rye, isn't it? No, they steal a bottle of scotch. Oh, it's a bottle of scotch. A 30-year-old bottle of scotch from someone's office or desk somewhere. feel a little bad for the person they stole it from. Yeah, it's an expensive bottle of scotch at 30 years old. Um, and this is the point where they do play some charades. And uh, then what in what couldn't possibly be a bad idea during a stakeout. Goodness, no. Get super wasted. Oh, so very drunk. Yeah. Well, imagining all of the terrible things that they want to say to Kirkland's face for being a big jerk. <laughs> that can't possibly come back to bite them, can it? No, certainly not. No. Owen's especially not recording everything. Especially when Thompson tells Owen to remember it verbatim so that it can be played back right. at a later time. <laughs> Look, the point is they they kind of awkwardly bonded for two days while staking out a museum. Yeah. The next morning, Owen awakens a hungover Thompson with a bugle. Suggesting that that was the one thing that finally managed to awaken him. And noting that the parade is, like, underway. They've slept in a bit. They assume that the attack must be imminent. If nobody showed up in the last couple nights to plant explosives, like, this is the time. Yeah, like, something, they're coming. Something must be about to happen. So Thompson goes ahead and calls 911 and is like, hey, there's been a break-in at the museum. And is like, well, at least now there will be some police. Also, we're the ones that broke in. Well, at, at the very least, they get some police there. That's true. 20 minutes later, the police pull up and Owen suggests, you know what? We should make a big scene so that they automatically call for backup. And just as they're kind of suggesting this plan, a group of rogue agents appears in the park across the street. Okay. So a thing about these rogue agents that keep showing up, they are eerily identical and that it just makes it just makes them extra creepy. Well, as I mentioned a couple chapters ago, I'm getting like real men in black vibes. Right. Off of them. Me too. Just they're always dressed the same. They're always carrying the same weapons, doing the same thing. Moving in concert. Moving in concert. It's they're, it's creepy. They're weird radicalized bureaucrats. Like they still have that bureaucratic efficiency. They still have that bureaucratic uh facelessness. Yeah. But it's been weaponized in a really creepy and horrifying way. Yes. It's very off-putting. Um, the agents basically ignore the police, whip out some assault rifles, gun down the police, and the front yeah, that that's glass, not cool. Front glass of the museum, and then start hacking their way at the wooden double doors to the lobby with axes. Owen and Thompson are like, "Oh, we're screwed. Oh, oh no, we're in trouble now. This is real bad. There's only two of us, and neither of us have guns." So Owen attempts an epic bluff. It really is. He projects. An illusion of like a SWAT team and a machine gun emplacement and like snipers in the lobby. Oh, yeah. Armed to the teeth. He like Thompson has like a fake bulletproof vest. They look like they are ready to fight an army. Yep. And when the rogue agents break in, they're like, oh, oh this is unexpected. Oh, hello. 
Yeah, and this turns into a brief and interesting exchange between the leader of the rogue agents, yeah. the, the squad commander. Yep, who I don't think ever had a name. And our duo. And the leader mentions that he's surprised that Usmus has militarized the way they did. Yeah, something along the lines of, oh, you guys have militarized as well. Yeah. And I went, oh, that's an interesting bit of info, isn't it? Yeah, he mentions they're all a little upset about Sewage Bro being killed, but uh, adds, hey, you have to kill who you have to kill. Progress is war. And that is a thesis statement, if I've ever heard one. Indeed. Not certain exactly what to make of it yet, but that is... That telling. Is, Very telling. That is a telling statement, yes. indeed. Very. This group's philosophy is progress is war, and they're clearly engaged in a war to move progress forward. Yes. Having not declared war on anybody officially, yes. <laughs> so remember when I mentioned a moment ago that Owen was going to attempt a legendary bluff? Oh, I do. Yes. Well, at this point, the leader of the group makes an epic bureaucracy check <laughs> really and does. sees through the ruse based off the paperwork and logistics necessary to have pulled this together. He out-bureaucrats the effort at a bluff. I know. He outsmarts the supercomputer, kind of. And calls Owen on his bluff. So Owen bluffs harder. <laughs> it's great. And a monster clown attacks. Oh, what? <laughs> I just... I just kind of shook my head. I was like, Owen, what are you doing? It's it's brazen It's like a It's like a deception. tentacled clown monster th yeah. thing that from, attacks from behind. From a horror movie he saw years ago that was, and I quote, not very good. <laughs> Clearly. The illusionary SWAT team attacks it. And the benefit of this is it adds some realism to the moment. In a weird, weird, bizarre, and unbelievable sort of way, yes. the SWAT team is now fighting something. And so the... Rogue agents are like, there's bullets flying now. Stuff is being destroyed. Stuff that was a part of the hollow projection. Yeah, but still. One of them even panics and shoots at the monster clown and inadvertently like shoots three of his colleagues. Yeah, there's there's a friendly fire incident. Yeah. As it and were. The because they're the only bullets that are real. Yeah, the rogue agents are briefly pinned down by this chaos. Meantime, the leader of the group is sitting there going, what is happening? And finally makes his will check. And disbelieves the illusion. <laughs> and walks out into the middle of the chaos and once again calls Owen's bluff and explains the situation to the other rogue agents. We're being played. This is all fake. Ignore everything from now on. And they all start heading into the museum. Yes. And the problem is he's right and Owen can do very little about that. And also wrong. And that is what Owen realizes in that moment. Oh, he thinks... This is all fake. Henry, he thinks you're fake. Yes. This is the one this is the one silver lining to his bluff being called is that Now the rogue agents don't believe anything. No, they even won't believe the, anything. Even yeah. the real thing. Exactly. So he can use that. Yeah, and so they come up with a new plan. They notice that one guy is carrying a blue duffel bag, which is clearly what the explosives are in. Yes. So if they can just get that duffel bag, they have un they've foiled the plan because yes. they don't have the bombs necessary to level the museum. So Owen turns himself into Thompson and then projects more Thompsons and mm -hmm. is like, we'll go out there. I'll cause a distraction. You, the only real Thompson, grab the duffel bag in the confusion. And Thompson's like, that's a pretty sound plan. Yeah. It's it's kind of like the Three Amigos ploy. Yeah. Remember the end of the Three Amigos? Yep. Together we're the Three Amigos! <coughs> Spoiler every, for Three Amigos. Where everyone is a Three Amigos. Where everyone is dressed as an Amigo, except now um, 
they all actually look exactly like Thompson. Yeah. It's like a high-tech version. So there it's like, are... okay, Thompsons, scatter. And the real one has to grab the duffel bag. There are so many Henry Thompsons, it can only be described as an army of Henry Thompsons. <laughs> uh, they, are, they are coming out of other rooms. They're crashing through windows. They're repelling from the roof. One of them waved. <laughs> yeah, it's like just, and they're all shouting a battle cry. The rogue agents are like trying to ignore it. And that is good news because that means that Thompson can approach the duffel bag guy and clocks him through one of the holograms and grabs the duffel. Yeah. And then Owen immediately has all of the holograms also have a duffel. So Henry can escape in the chaos. Yeah. That's, it's a good plan. It is a solid plan that is only slightly thrown off when the rogue agents spot out the real Thompson. Yes. Thompson doesn't know how they did it. Might have been that he was moving a little too hastily towards the exit. Whatever the reason, guns start shooting in his direction and he bolts into another exhibit. Yeah. Well, run from the real bullets. That's that's solid, if you ask me. Yeah. He's not actually wearing a bulletproof vest. So, uh, Owen, having already previously, as we mentioned, hacked into the museum, creates more distractions in the exhibit they go into by activating some of the exhibit's features and sprouting up more illusions. Um, I believe he sets off the uh, sprinkler system. And the, a windstorm. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's a weather exhibit. <laughs> this effectively manages to hold off the rogue agents long enough for him to direct Thompson towards an emergency exit where one of the agents manages to finally catch up to him. In the ensuing struggle over the blue duffel bag, and much to Thompson's own embarrassment and chagrin, he escapes by kneeing that agent several times in the crotch. Yeah, he kind of resorts. Having having just learned to punch and without the muscle memory to remember to do that, he resorts to kind of fighting dirty. Yeah, Owen is even a little put out by this attack and is just like, dude. My dude. Come on. Be above that. Above the belt, below the neck. We're trying we're trying to uphold the system. Here. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to tell myself we're the good guys here. <laughs> like, please. And Thompson is <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I panicked. I panicked. Um, as they're making their way out of the museum, with the bag full of explosive devices, the police finally arrive on mass. Yeah, the real police this time. Yeah, and the rogue agents set up a defensive line until two commandeered traffic helicopters swoop in, unfurl some guns, and open fire on the police. Yeah. Uh, to create some covering fire for the rogue agents to all escape. While this is not great, it is good news in that Owen and Thompson appear to have foiled the attack on Metmo and uh, are kind of patting themselves on the back about that. Well, and they should be because they saved the museum, which is what they set out to do. Indeed. Unfortunately, they <laughs> failed to save the other eight museums that all then yeah. blow up. Yeah. It turns out that the attack was so much bigger than just the Metmo. He lists eight other museums at the end of the chapter, and they're all... Destroyed. Yeah, the museum they district. All, they all go up. This wasn't just an attack on Metmo. It was an attack on the entire museum district. And yep. And the history of Metropolis. Yep. And and I'm not entirely sure what that's supposed to mean. It's not entirely clear what it's supposed to mean. And even Thompson and Owen in the moment don't seem to know exactly what it's all about. There's a really good line in the end um, that calls back to the brief exchange that they were having mm -hmm. with their squad leader agent. Yeah. About how the Usmus guys, they never take a step back and look at the big picture. The Us Usmus is always looking at the trees and not really considering the forest. Right. And so 
as they're standing outside watching all of this destruction, it finally dawns on Thompson what he was talking about. Yeah. Right? They weren't after just that museum. They were after all the museums. They were after all the museums. And I, I think he's a little devastated by that. Oh, he's devastated. That he came to that realization too late. Well, he's he's a person who we know from his backstory is a big fan of museums mm -hmm. too. So, But yeah, but not just the museums. Like, obviously that's a crush to him. But also the realization that, oh, this is, this is so much bigger than I thought it was and I just couldn't see it. And that also means that I wasn't totally wrong with my earlier suspicion in the chapter. No, you weren't. But I wasn't totally right either. Also true. I, I'm curious then if us misses flaw is that they're too busy looking at trees to really consider the forest if maybe the rogue agents have their own flaw in that they're so busy looking at the forest they aren't paying attention to the finer details which is why <laughs> they're owen, missing the trees which is why owen and uh thompson have managed to evade them so far and effectively managed to foil one of the museum attacks yeah just the two of them that's not too bad and wh only one of them is physically there. Indeed. And again, that's not too bad. No, it's not. For the limited resources at their disposal, the fact that they were able to save one museum is still objectively kind of impressive. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's a devastating blow, but they did what they could, and they succeeded where they were able to. So yeah. I would I would chalk this up to uh, one step forward, three steps back sort of situation. <laughs> That, yeah, that that seems about right. Yeah. But that on that somewhat bittersweet note is also where we end our chapter. Yeah. And uh this wasn't really a cliffhanger, so I don't I don't know where this is going next. Yeah. The the next chapter is going to be a complete complete mystery to well, me. Probably it'll involve Owen and Thompson possibly talking to the police. There's going to be some manner of aftermath, I'm sure. And uh, possibly commiserating over what they're going to perceive. Even though I'm trying to spin this in a positive light, <laughs> they're definitely going to perceive it as a failure. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I imagine that Owen and uh, and Thompson are going to be feeling pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Indeed. We'll see. I'm willing to bet at least Owen will do more drinking. Thompson might as well. We'll see. He might. We'll see. At any rate, uh, you'll want to read up on Chapter 6 in time for next week. Yes. There will be no break for the new year, just as there is no break for Christmas. Because, again, what better time to do some reading? I feel, feel like some kind of heathen for doing that. What better time to, to spend a little time, especially if you're traveling for the holidays? What better time to listen to a podcast than while you're on the road or on a plane? We want to be there for you. <laughs> we are. We're here for you. You know who also is there for you in an emergency? Alberta Health Services. We asked these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If, like, your heart stopped beating. If you were really sick. If you were super duper hurt, you'd come. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt and they need attention right away. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. That's a good segue. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, just a good reminder of when to and not to contact emergency. And uh, definitely something that you want to be teaching your kids. Absolutely. So that uh, they know. Yep. Adults do. Lots of adults don't know. A lot of adults do make spurious calls tonight. It's true. Do, do not do that. 
Uh, if you want to get in touch with us over the holidays to wish us a Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah or a Merry Kwanzaa, I mean, we're happy to take any holiday greeting. Yeah. It's the holidays. We will take it in yeah. the spirit of, all, all of what it's meant. If you want to reach out to us, you can on social media. Uh, the standard collection that I always prattle off. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads yeah, we're, are our medias of choice. We are at the read-along and all the above. And in the event that you're not listening to this over the holidays, you're listening to this months later, it's June, <laughs> you're wondering why we're talking about Christmas. Christmas. Uh, Whatever. It doesn't matter. No. That's when we're recording this. and We don't you, care. You know what? You can wish us a Merry Christmas in June. We'll be happy to, to receive that. You, you listen when it's good for you. You do you. That's that's how podcasts work. That's why they're so great. Indeed. Uh, if you want to send us a lengthier message, by all means, you can do so. Yes. We are, we have an email address. It's thereadalong at gmail.com. And as always, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. We'll see you next time. Museum Aftermath. Here we go. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Mm-hmm.